Welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that is making Vivaldi blush. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I'm your host, Joe Reed. I'm here, as always, with my tachycardic spinster aunt, Chris File. Hello, Chris. $5 words, not $50 words. <laughs> tachycardiac? Cardiac? What? Th- that's what she says at the beginning, right? I'm tachycardic. Well, yeah. She's that's her her um her her condition. She's but got it's a... like there's not really a condition. So well, of course she's what's she's the five dollar word? Suffering from the it's she's she's got she's got a, a heart uh, uh, sure. uh thing. You know she's she's got the vapors. I don't know. You know she's you can't. You can't... Also, there were okay so. <laughs> Little uh, uh, window into my uh, creative process, which is chaos. Um, I go to watch this movie last night, and I'm like, hey, Chris, this isn't available to stream anywhere. And he's like, yes, we had this conversation. And I'm like, oh, we had this conversation over a month ago. <laughs> well, I think that's probably part of it. It's just like, I was like, oh, I don't remember that at all. Um, I literally was like, what did I say when we had this conversation? Um so I we had to scramble. Chris, Sometimes thank I God. feel like you think I'm gaslighting you when you're like, I, do. I don't remember that conversation. I do sometimes like, think it happened. It happened. <laughs> uh, I'm just lo- losing my losing my mind. It's fine. Um, Chris was able to help me scramble, um, and we found a. I'm gonna say redacted, 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 redacted. I San Marino. I'm trying to think of like what like Central or Eastern European country was able to. We'll just say Joe got a VPN. Yeah, let's just say. Um, but anyway, so I was able to watch Eight Women on uh, this uh, somehow, and so I'm watching it. And every time Isabelle Huppert is in a scene, I'm like, "Am I watching the 1.5x like speed?" Ver- of this no like i had to like just so fucking funny in this movie and so fast she's like she <laughs> speeds herself up to a way that like i can't imagine we're gonna talk about it um it's really really incredible and so incredibly funny but as soon as i saw those scenes i was like well of course chris has been so you guys you listeners don't know you don't know how excited chris has been to talk about this movie every time we would talk about the schedule Chris would be like, eight women, we're going to get to talk about eight women. And I'm like, it's uh-huh. just a fun, frothy, like, well, I mean, YMMV, but uh, it's just so fun. It's everything that I think of when I think of like, oh, the kind of thing that Chris would love, which is like actresses, these actresses in particular, Isabelle Huppert in particular, this particular blend of genre throwback stuff, um, 
uh, Holiday Inn as filmed by uh, Douglas Sirk, as interpreted by um, every French actress who was a thing in the early 2000s. <laughs> and, and like, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a chamber uh, comedy. It's a chamber farce. Um, that is also a murder mystery. That is also a musical. That is also Harold. They're lesbians, and it's just like, oh, okay. Like, it's has Jorge perfect. Molina seen this? Jorge, if you're listening, get at us if you've seen this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it truly does check off an absurd yeah. amount of boxes. Yeah. For you know things that I love. I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna sit here and say that this movie is a masterpiece, but this is a movie that I have oh, an I'm not saying time with. I'm not saying only Chris Files could love this movie. I'm just saying only Chris Files could love this movie, uh, uh, could appreciate this movie as much as you can. Like it because is because it is it's targeting all of the things I I like. It's hitting all your pleasure centers at once. It's really kind of yeah. amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. All it needed to add was like a um sort of comment on straight society. Well, that, but also <laughs> like a a a doughy notary public who is you know not mm. maybe like uh who's like a who's like a b plus rather than like an a in terms of like the hotness level but it's just like i resent this b plus a remark who were we talking I about like just a, last I night i like a bookish man i who, like a who I on like drag race nice was just like put some classes Put some glass. You are a very Geneva Clark Kent. I was. Yeah. I saw Geneva Cars confessional, yes. and I was like, "That one, yes, right I'm there." So, okay, that so one. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Um, Geneva that would have Carr completed. Has a very nice smile. What I think I Geneva Cars is very cute. Like, tr- like, mm-hmm. trust and believe. I think Geneva Cars is very cute. Um, anywho, um, we're back with our uh our fifth Patreon selects. How have yes. we done that many so far? That's crazy. Well, because of heat, and then this is the third in yeah. this month. Yes, right. So it's, it's just going to be a stretched out thing because then we'll hit. These are going to go into February because we also have to have right. class of twenty twenty three this month. But this Listeners, is our fourth. That's in two weeks. Get excited. Yes. Also get excited because the Oscar nominations will finally be here. It's I. I, it's so funny that you say that. I feel like they've come incredibly quick this year. I feel like I am. I I feel like we have the not strike had probably it adds to that. that's probably true. But I just feel like we have not had time to have that sort of like weird two or three week period of like things are changing, but nothing's really happening. But things are changing. Oh oh oh, we have time to talk about this right now. Yeah, because we're gonna have to do the movies fantasy league moment. Is Francis Fisher going to Andrea Riseborough. This was the first Angelou thing I wanted Ellis. to bring up for the movie fantasy league. Let's just okay. do that now. Let's just okay. do that. Okay, now. okay, okay. First of all, I think next year you need to add points. If Francis Fisher does a social media post <laughs> about any movie, automatic fifty points. Automatic fifty points. <laughs> any movie. Any movie. And maybe if she posts about a movie a second time, that's a hundred points. Well Uh huh. A hundred points instead of fifty. Honestly, you're not wrong. Um, I'm so all right. So let's get the like Vulture Movie Fantasy League. We're going strong. Um, the the update that I sent out the other day in the newsletter was the most Frankenstein like game of like 
what's the game Exquisite Corpse where you keep like telling a story and everybody like adds on a thing? Every time I'm like, well, now this newsletter's ready to go. It's just like, and here are the DGA awards. And it's just like, nope, but this newsletter is ready to go. AARP movies for grownups. And I was just like, okay. And it became this absolute behemoth, absolute behemoth that began with the Golden Globes. So Oppenheimer whomped ass at the Golden Globes and was kind of the first big indication that like this is going to end up like you kind of need to have Oppenheimer on your roster because I do feel like it's going to I think that's that's probably true gonna keep going and gonna keep going which is not to say that it has best picture locked up but like even let's say we did this uh in the year of 2015 with the Revenant and Spotlight I think even if you had you know if we had the the fantasy league that year the Revenant probably out sold everything that year right just because like even if it lost at the end even if it got nipped by spotlight at the end it won so much in the lead up and even on oscar night in the lead up that like so even if oppenheimer does end up getting nipped at the end by holdovers or barbie or something killers of the flower moon even um fall and then yeah sure um then i still think oppenheimer is going to end up just like winning so so much but anyway um Barbie also uh won uh, at the at the Globes Killers of the Flower Moon won. Poor Things is, you know, sticking in the mix. Uh, I don't I think Poor Things is gonna be a very good pick for people in terms of like what they paid for it and what they end up getting from it. So um box office wise, Wonka continues to do really well. Um uh anyone It's not gonna you? get those number one bonus points anymore. Number one bonus points are probably dead for the game. What's opening this weekend that's gonna that's gonna kill it? Mean Girls. Oh, that's wild that Mean Girls is gonna get number one. I I will say this. I have heard some good reactions from people who went into that movie skeptical. I would so, rather chew glass. I'm not watching that. What is what is your what is your problem? Do you hate the the do you the hate what you've heard from the musical? Of that score that I've done uh for that for when the musical was on Broadway, I'm sorry to some of you. I think that those songs suck. I like a the, few of them a lot. I think it's also just intended as IP cash grab because it was well, originally supposed to be course. on Paramount Plus. Of course. Uh, just I, 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 I'm gonna have some hesitancy to throwing down my dollar at those movies anymore. I'm excited sorry. to see it. I have to say, I'm excited to see it. Um. Anyone but you continues to rise at the box office, which I kind of love. Iron Claw is going to end up as like the sixth biggest earner in A24 history. We talked about that a little bit last week. Um, so after that, then we had National Society of Film Critics, which like was a very like, I'm tired of the same two or three things winning. We're going to give some other things, some awards, which I really liked. Uh, I would past probably lives. also argue that you know usually national national society like comes through for something, and I feel like that didn't happen this year. I think L.A. and New York were largely more interesting than what they added to the conversation. Oh, I really liked National Society's lineup, but I like uh, Past Lives a lot better than you. Um, I love that they gave it to Andrew Scott for Best Actor. Um, that was cool. That was cool. But like they did sort of just like rubber stamp. Um, Melton and uh, and 
Dave and John Randolph for supporting, and that was a little boring. But um, AARP Movies for Grownups Awards is a li- was a little disappointing with some like significant exceptions. I think they are still going to be the only ones who are going to well. well they didn't show up for 80 for Brady or Air, <laughs> which is wild to me. Well, they dropped Best Buddy Movie or whatever. They dropped a lot of the fun They categories. dropped this is Best Grown-Up Love Story, which is my big headline for the Movies for Grown-Ups Awards. Yeah. That, like, I can't believe we have lost one of our great uh, categories. Um, my prediction that they, that they would have the most predictable nomination in nominating Viola Davis for Air in Supporting Actress did come to fruition. They did show up for Viola. They showed up for Viola. They showed up for Taraji P. Henson. They showed up for Leslie Uggams in uh, American which Fiction, was which fabulous. was fabulous. Really, that's a great. That's a that's an AARP movie for grown ups nomination. Um, we'll move into the SAG awards. The SAG nominations. I feel like we talked about this. Did we not talk about this? About how? Um, uh, I don't know if we talked about the SAG nominations or not. I feel no, like I've made the SAG this... nominations were this week. We at least haven't talked about it on mic, I don't think. I feel I'm getting the sense of deja vu where I'm talking to you about how Netflix, when it comes oh, maybe when we were recording screen desk, I don't fucking know. Netflix is better for is a is a SAG uh, is sorry, I'm gonna start this over because I'm don't know where my words are. <laughs> when it comes to the SAG Awards, which are the more populist precursor net the availability of films on netflix is a boon for netflix at the sags when it comes to maestro and naiad and rustin but not so much for may december because may december is not going to be a movie that's going to appeal to the sort of broader voting Mm -hmm. body that sag that sag represents the whole thing where like sag is a much more sort of nationwide precursor group than kind of anybody else who's voting. I've definitely mentioned this. I can't remember at what point. But anyway. Um so I think that played into these nominations where everybody was jumping off of buildings being like it's over for May December. You know, it's it's we're 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 finished. And that's right cuz it, we did It's going to um, get Oscar nominations. We did our Patreon episode on Wednesday. That's what Oh yes, yes, yes. The, that'll be yeah, com- yeah. that'll be coming yeah. uh, well today. Today, yeah. go to the Patreon if you want to hear us talk about this a little bit. Yes, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I mean, May December is going to at least get, I think, a screenplay nomination. I think it'll be fine for Charles Melton to get his nomination, but it, it may just be those two, and probably Julianne. I think Julianne's got a really good shot. I do. Um, DGA was pretty straightforward. It was the five most sort of you if you. We're ranking most likely Best Picture nominees. It was the top five, and all of those mm-hmm. directors got nominated. Um, for Fantasy League purposes, it, the more interesting categories were documentary and first-time feature, because mm-hmm. you got points for 20 Days at Mariupol and Beyond Utopia and the Michael J. Fox movie. And uh, 1001, Shada got some points for First-Time Filmmaker. Just glad um, to see that show up finally somewhere. And then American Fiction and Past Lives, which have both been doing very, very well. So, um, oh, but the other interesting thing is, on ad- in addition to all of this, we also got a Rotten Tomatoes points. So I want to talk about the movies that hit the 100-point tier 
for Rotten Tomatoes, which is 96% on Rotten Tomatoes or above, which sometimes it's just sort of like, it's, it's interesting to see documentaries and foreign language films really over, not overrepresented, but like heavily represented and concentrated here. Part mm-hmm. of that is fewer critics review those. I think part of that is sometimes American critics who do review those who are maybe not as accustomed to dealing with documentaries and foreign language films, mm-hmm. just sort of like rubber stamp uh, fresh, you know what I mean? Because they don't want to under, you know, they don't want to unfairly malign something that they're not maybe as well-versed in. Um, but then you get stuff like, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret. Rad. Mm-hmm. Love that. Blackberry. Very interesting to see how strong those reviews were. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I cannot believe that that movie was so well-reviewed. I like that Blackberry... Blackberry is, to me, the better version of Air. I think the way that everybody liked Air is my feeling on Blackberry, which is... it's. I thought it was fun. I thought it was genuinely fun. I loved Jay Baruchel. I thought Jay Baruchel was really, really good in that movie. And... Um, Every time that I see Glenn Howerton show up on a supporting actor ballot, I am like, what crack are you all smoking? Glenn Howerton and Blackberry is the exact same awards case, though, for Mark Wahlberg in The Departed. I know we're very, like, we've talked about The Departed a lot uh, this week because we recorded our our Screen Drafts episode. Um, I felt the same way when Wahlberg got nominated. It's just like, oh, are you just getting nominated for, like, yelling swear words loudly? Like, okay, well, um, but anyway. I'm color me surprised that Mission Impossible was uh 96% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I thought there was a little bit of an undercurrent of dissatisfaction with that movie this year, and that's why I'm kind of surprised that I uh, think with audiences probably, but not with critics. Interesting. Interesting. Um I love that Robot Dreams is there. I love, I love that too, because that's such a good movie that if Neon had pushed like at all, it would be getting an animated feature nomination. Like we I we haven't really talked about what do we think the animated feature nominations are gonna be? Um, I think it's going to be the PGA five and then sub in something for Super Mario. Probably what were the PGA five? Remind me. Boy in the Heron, Elemental, Spider-Man. Uh, Super Mario, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which yeah, maybe maybe not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just because of what people kind of think about that franchise. It's I think such the, a bummer that Super Mario Brothers is going to get in there just because it made all that money. I don't think it is going to get in there with Oscar, you don't. though. I th- I think Illumination has gotten like one nomination ever. Okay, so then you said you said the PGA, but then who were we swapping out for Mario? I, I guess maybe not. Maybe I spoke too soon because I'm not too sure. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. If people would watch this one, they I would see that it's really it. good. I the want way to, that people feel it. about Spider Verse is how I feel about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, nice. It's just so fun. It's like there's such a creative gamble of we're gonna cast just teens as yeah. these teenage as the characters as the and it pays off so well <laughs> yeah um nice i love that yeah i liked it a lot but i do think spider-verse elemental boy and heron absolutely getting in yeah and then kind of who knows yeah i mean i don't robot really dreams. see it happening for robot dreams as much I as either. i would love it to happen yeah 
Um, God, what even are the other movies? I do think Wish is dead. It's not going to be Wish. Do you think Migration, because it's done so well at the box office very late in the game? I might have said that, but it's also Illumination, and they don't yeah. like Illumination. <laughs> but maybe they'll just, like, at some point, maybe you just get over it. You know what I mean? And maybe because they made so much money with Mario, and they're like, well, we're not going to give it to Mario, but we'll give it to to Migration. I don't know. Um, Could be interesting. But anyway, the 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 topic of the hour, Chris, we've delayed it long enough. Francis Fisher has kicked the machine into high gear. In support of <laughs> Ava DuVernay's origin and specifically Ingenue Alice Taylor's uh, performance in Origin, I could not have been more tickled when I saw that this was happening. Just like it's 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 the same it's the same thing. It's the effusive Instagram uh, posts that end with a call to action. It's I've the, seen people copy and pasting the. It's the bespoke screening. tweets. Yeah. It's the gathering of just like. Name five actresses. It's literally name five actresses because it's like Frances Fisher, Rosanna Arquette, Catherine Keener, Andrea Riseborough. Was that Andrea Riseborough was. She's paying there. it forward, man. It's like yeah. a, it genuinely is like a pyramid scheme a little bit. And I love it. It's a multi level marketing uh, uh, operation to get one best actress nomination per year. And I it's fucking love it. It's less targeted than the it is. Leslie thing, though, because that it was is. all about just Andrea Riseborough. I know. And this is like, Origin broadly, maybe a little I worry bit of that energy scattered. towards New Ellis Taylor. If they put it all towards New Ellis Taylor, they could make it happen. But like, because it's just like, do you think they could make it happen for Origin on the top ten uh, on the Best Picture list? Honestly, yes, because the tenth <laughs> slot does seem very in flux. And if they're telling people just like you got to rank it number one on your ballot, you know what I mean? Then like, I think I think it's possible that behind the scenes they are saying that well they can't say it on front the only thing she got in trouble for was saying vote for this right in your first spot right. we only need x number of votes to make it happen and right that's what she got a phone call about right but like you can't really track it if people are saying it in person and we like mm-hmm. i mean if if it does happen unless there's a narrative that like the hollywood whisper campaign is truly a thing and that people do talk about gaming yeah. the votes in the way that like you know people like steve pond have always talked about uh-huh. uh, you know online and now you know guess francis fisher <laughs> reads old steve pond interviews um I'm also on the record as not really liking Origin as a movie. I don't think it works, but I do think Ingenue Alice Taylor is really good in it. Well, we were saying in the gr- I said in the group chat earlier this week, I was like, of all of the things that the movie try that all of the things about that movie that are a swing and a miss, that mm-hmm. like I respect the swing and the miss of that movie, but the thing that like unequivocally works and is good in the movie is Ingenue Ellis Taylor. Yeah. So good for yeah. her. And the thing that would was also going around was her like showing up at an AMC and passing out like postcards mm-hmm. about origin. And it's like, well, that's a bummer. Yeah. You know. But like Ava DuVernay's in the in the director's roundtable. You know what I mean? Like that that movie is still in the conversation and i just it was i could not i saw that uh that instagram tweet or uh, that instagram post so late at night so so many people were already in bed and all i wanted to do was just scream it from the <laughs> the, the rooftops it's just like this is happening that's all everyone talked about in the morning hopefully i mean like it 
first of all, the Hollywood Whisper campaign thing is just is confirmation of something we always knew was there mm-hmm. anyway. But like, in some ways, it can be bad. See, to Leslie, but also caveats to that because Andrea Riseborough is a good performer, even though I don't like that performance, etc. But like, maybe it could be. A, I don't know. It, Here's the other know. thing: if this was happening among, say, uh directors or like actors male actors or like studio people i'd hate it because it's happening among a cadre of (laughs) mid-level actresses i fucking love it it's so genuinely if it was if it was like a bunch of people at the top saying we're gonna push through matt damon for air to Mm -hmm. keep our like top tier people through exactly Uh absolute nefariousness if this was uh, an affleck brothers and matt damon uh, uh, machination i would vehemently despise it. if it's about reinforcing the order of hollywood then it's unequivocally evil though like there's not you know knowing people and like using connections you know it's not you know it's not un whatever but then so is the whole system of like promotion etc because then that's on some level you're talking about human beings with friends and and feelings and whatever and like that's that's fine but i also even if this was like even if it was like the big little lies cadre of like Reese and Laura Dern and Nicole Kidman and maybe like Jennifer Aniston gets in on it. <laughs> I would feel it. I would feel a little bit of a certain way. It's just like, oh, the glamour girls are like, because it like because this honestly, it's the that picture of Francis Fisher and Rosanna Arquette and Catherine Keener and Andrea Rosberg. I was just like, oh, this is perfect. This is absolutely this is the only real ones know uh, group. You know what I mean? Where you're like, you mention these names to like most normal people and they're like, who are you talking about? The and only I'm one like, who looks earnestly happy to be there is Andrea Riseborough. Everyone else either looks like a hostage or a keeper. You Katie know, and I or both. The, or the kidnapper, i.e. Francis Fisher. Katie and I both came to separate because like I said it in a different chat. That Catherine Keener looked like she had been taken hostage, and she absolutely does. It's great. It's so great. Um, hope it happens. All right. Um, movie Fantasy League. Uh, check movie it Fantasy out. Fantasy League, I want to point out, I am oh, still number five among the podcasters. Hanging With my in, like total rank moving up, I don't think I'm going to keep it for that long since I don't have Oppenheimer, so I just want to brag now. It's a good brag. Rugowski crop top is hanging in. Where am I even? I'm still very low. I did not my 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 flyers taste of things has not pulled through the way um we're going to talk about it this I episode. I would have hoped we are going to talk about it in this episode. Where do I even stand? Oh, I'm not too far not too far behind you at least. You're 11th in the podcast yeah, league. That's fine. Um but anyway, in just the general, we're going to shout out Theresa May December once again, because, like, in the general... Holding out. Holding out. Like, very, very three points away from first place at this very moment. So, go get it. I haven't added... I don't think the... As I'm talking about this, PGA points have been added, but still. um, We now have four. Count them. Four Garys in the top ten. Yeah. Garys are killing it. Like, you guys are making us very proud. Uh, uh, mommy and daddy are very proud of you. So, um, uh, who's mommy? Who's well daddy? Done. I'll be mommy. Yeah, that's probably true. 
Why did you say it that way? Why did you say it that way? That's no, because so... I'm the I'm the mean one. Well, okay, that's true. Um, all right, vulture.com slash gender movies. essentialism brought to you by this episode. <laughs> <of God. laughs> vulture.com slash movies dash league. Go and um check out where you stand, and you can follow the game there. Sign up for a newsletter if you already haven't. Um, it's been a very fun time, and we have a good two months to go still, so uh, let's hit it. Let's make it happen. All right. Back to the the uh, matter at hand, Eight Women. This is our fourth film in the Patreon series, because we have one more to go, and it's a five-film series. Um, the second... If anyone was like, well, why didn't they talk about more about... Uh, French language films and Oscar last week <laughs> because we knew we had another one Indeed. coming right behind. Indeed, we did. Um, Chris, do you want to? Uh, actually, I will read the um, the, the the statement from our patron who selected eight women, and this then comes you can... to us from Dana. We all thank Dana for Dana. giving us this fun movie. All right. So says Dana. In 1978, my parents bonded over an Oscar quiz on the day that they met. Good lord, what an origin story. I'm interjecting here as Joe. What a great origin story. <laughs> this is this is the origin story to end all origins, oh. Dana. All right, back to Dana. My mom said she knew my dad was someone special when he knew the difference between Lillian and Dorothy Gish. So to say that the Oscars are in my DNA is an understatement. The first ceremony I remember was 1997. My nine-year-old brain was sure that Shine would go home with more for some reason. But the first Oscars capital E event was the next year with Titanic, which I watched while wearing my homemade Mrs. DiCaprio bead necklace. I attended my first Oscar party in 1999, where, complete with formal wear, my mom encouraged me to tell the guests that my dress was Vera Wang. The sight of Roberto Benigni climbing atop those chairs was burned into my retinas, and I had my first experience grappling with celebrating the art versus the artist, re Ilya Kazan. It wasn't until uh, 0102 that I transitioned from obsessive to fanatical, mainly due to rapid-onset Nicole Kid mania after seeing Moulin Rouge. I was then radicalized by the hours and the world of online actress standing in 2002, and the rest is history. One Dana, of us. One of us. One of us, for real. Um, I love that. Dana, so many... also, thank you for giving us a potential merch idea if we ever decide to do merch with the Mrs. DiCaprio necklaces. Oh, I love that. You know, I mentioned this when we recorded our screen draft DiCaprio or uh, Scorsese episode that I've I've moved into more of a uh DiCaprio positive uh phase of my life with uh some of those performances big that changes. come around on a few. Big change. So big so change. You will wear me. that necklace. Something has changed within me. Something is not the same. That's what I say, but I say it about liking Leonardo DiCaprio in The Departed and Wolf of Wall Street more than I used to. Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, speaking of which, tomorrow it, this drops on Mondays. If you are someone who listens to us right off the bat, uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, you will be able to hear us along with Katie Rich over on Screen Drafts drafting Scorsese movies. We Go had listen. such we a have fun a good time. time. Yeah, we had a very good time. It was very fun. All right, uh, Chris, do you want to tell our listeners about this head Oscar buzz turbulent brilliance? Yeah, this episode comes to us today from Dana, who has been a sponsor-level supporter of us on Patreon for three consecutive months. So Dana got to choose this episode. Uh, 
we uh, only have a certain amount. Uh, we're at capacity for the sponsor level. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you can join us for $5 a month. What are you going to get when you join us on this head Oscar Bus Turbulent Brilliance for $5 a month? You're going to get two bonus episodes every month. On the first, we have what we call exceptions. These are the movies that fit the This Had Oscar Buzz rubric, but managed to score some nominations. Uh, Most recently, we've done Charlie Wilson's War, but we've also talked about Rob Marshall's Nine, The Lovely Bones, which was selected by our patrons, uh, Australia, Katie Rich, our first guest over on the Patreon. Then also on the 15th, you're going to get a second bonus episode that we call Excursions. It's deep dives into uh, things that we are obsessed with here on This Head Oscar Buzz, different ephemera. Uh, This month, dropping today, we've done another Hollywood Reporter roundtable, this time on the 2018 director lineup. You'll also have uh, recaps like on the 96 MTV Movie Awards over there. I went to Magic Mike Live. Uh, we have a good time. We have a good uh, time. So sign up for this had Oscar Buzz turbulent brilliance over at patreon.com slash this had Oscar Buzz. Thank you. All right. Um, I'm so excited to jump into eight women. I feel like we shouldn't uh, uh dither any more than we already are. Uh, <laughs> our topic today is the 2002 film Eight Women, directed by Francois Ozon. Written by Francois Ozone and Marina Devon, based on the 1958 play of the same name by Robert Thomas, starring Catherine Deneuve, Isabelle Huppert, Fanny Ardant, Emmanuel Bayard, Virginia Ledoyan. Ledoyan, thank you. I'm apologies to all of France. Danielle Darieux, Firmin Richard, and Ludivine Sanier, and. What a cast it was. We'll talk about it. It premiered. Quite quite the moment of early aughts French actresses. Honestly, yes. The the, uh, premiere uh, listing, I think, is very funny because this thing sort of went all over over the globe. Uh, Premiered January 8th, 2002 in its native France, then played the Berlin Film Festival, among some other festivals, then opened in limited release in the United States on September 6, 2002, and then a few days later played the Toronto International Film Festival. So, um, uh, a fairly circuitous route, uh, not often um, uh, imitated in terms of release strategy, but it was kind of everywhere also. Like, I was not Mm -hmm. very plugged into foreign cinema in 2002, and I definitely heard about eight women. So, um... That, I think, says a lot. Um, Played my local independent cinema for a while, but for some reason escaped me and I didn't see it in theaters for some reason. Do you have have a sense of when you ended up seeing this movie? Uh, Not until, I think, college. Um, Maybe I even watched... I I know I watched it during the pandemic. Uh that felt like the first real time that I saw it. Anything yeah. that I saw in college at this point or high school sure. feels like if I haven't seen it since then, sure. A a rewatch would a be a rewatch like a is in order. Watch. Yeah, I feel the same way. I definitely feel the same way. Uh but yes, uh I love this movie. Also, the second official Focus Features release 
Oh yeah, we're good. We should talk from about the, the focus like features, USA films to the That's like right. weird transitionary period, and then the first was Possession. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I fired up my library DVD of Eight Women, the first thing that played was a trailer for Possession. Wait, what other trailers do you remember? I think it's just the Possession trailer. Okay, nice. But I could have also just fast forwarded it. Of course, I'm going to watch the Possession trailer. Of course. Um, <laughs> also, this had Oscar Buzz certified movie possession. As we as we mentioned, this movie is not as available as it should be. No, but uh, support your local libraries. That's what I have. To that's say. the lesson. That's the lesson here. Also, listen to and maybe write down notes about conversations you've had about when you're watching <laughs> movies, and then you will remember that you have to acquire a DVD. Um, anyway. Or if your friend says, I'll just buy a DVD for this of you so that your friend can also know that one of us has a DVD floating around of this movie. Yes. Uh, accept that. Yes. Okay. Um, Chris, a 60-second plot description is in order, and I am going sure to ask is. you to provide it. Are you ready for 60 seconds on eight women? So that works out to how many seconds per woman? Um quick math seven and a half seven and a half seconds all right get ready get ready all right your 60 second plot description for eight women starts now bonjour joya noel it's christmas at Catherine deneuve's house and she's celebrating with her daughter susan and Catherine. her sister isabelle Huppert, her mother who's in a wheelchair her husband marcel asleep in his room marcel is discovered murdered with a knife in his back and because the dogs weren't barking all night everyone thinks that the killer is in the house with them uh, or, like, one of the people who's there. Marcel's sister, Fanny Ardon, arrives. The dogs don't bark when she's there, so it's that's, like, weird. Uh, and then a snowstorm begins, and they discover that their phone line has been cut, and their seconds. car won't start. Et voila, they are stuck with a uh, killer in the house. Um, uh, now we begin to learn, like, everybody's secrets, including Susan, who's pregnant and was sexually abused by her father, Ick. Um, later we learn that it's not her father, um, so we can feel less gross about it, but still, that's bad. Um, the cook, uh, Madame Chanel and Fanny Ardant have been having a secret lesbian affair, and Fanny Ardant has, uh, been in the house previous night to ask Marcel for money. The grandmother reveals that, uh, she can walk and has been lying, um, uh, but she's also been lying about money, too. The maid, Louise, reveals that she's had an affair with Marcel, and then also a secret lesbian crush on Catherine de uh, and then Catherine Deneuve confesses that she also had an affair with her like husband's co-worker or something, and that Marcel isn't uh, the father, yes. Um, and uh, she and Fanny Ardant have a secret lesbian makeout, and then everybody walks in on it. Uh, somewhere, uh, someone shoots Madame Chanel, and uh, Catherine reveals that she co-conspired with her father to fake his death. And then, like, learn everybody's secrets. But then, because he's learned all these secrets, they all walk in on him killing himself, or she walks in, one of them happens. Uh, Sefine. Ends on a downer. (laughs) I'm just gonna say, Chris File gave me some shit last week for my uh, mellifluous rendition of Portrait of a Lady on Fire set to song that went 30 seconds over. Chris just went 48 seconds over and didn't even manage to set it to an Alicia Keys song of any kind. So who's the real villain here, is, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Fight the real enemy. Um, no, that I was didn't great. do a musical 60-second plot description for a musical. <laughs> <laughs> for a musical, yeah. Did you know this was a musical before nope. we started? Before Absolutely you started watching? 
I, How fun I, is it when like it kicks in that it's a musical though? It's well, okay. So I I didn't know about it before I started watching, and then I started watching, and in the description it said musical murder mystery, like whatever. So like that's the point. I didn't. I each of the eight women gets a song. I have you seen the thing going around this week? We maybe talked about it in our group chat. The clip of the audience at Mean Girls, the musical, when they start singing, and the audience and is like, ah. Well, maybe they're groaning because those songs are awful. No, Chris, they're not groaning because their songs are <laughs> Maybe awful. they're groaning because the songs aren't good. <laughs> they haven't the song hasn't begun yet. They don't know if it's good or not. They just know that they did not sign up for a musical because they were lied to by the marketing campaign. No, um no, I I was not prepared for this to be a musical. I was also not prepared for this to be a murder mystery. I kind of had no idea what this movie was, actually. It's a beyond. murder mystery, it's a musical, it's a Christmas movie, it's an actress vehicle, it's uh French, it's very um, French gay secret lesbian herald their lesbians um because like everyone's kind of a lesbian in this movie uh-huh um, yes except for isabelle Huppert, who's ace um <laughs> and also though i imagine if if this movie goes on another 15 minutes that like isabelle Huppert would reveal a uh queer crush on, right, on right. someone well she's not a she's not a romantic she's right maybe she's in love with marcel marcel um, I'm sorry that movie has ruined the name Marcel for me. Um, <laughs> Marcel. Marcel. Um. Anyway. Um. Okay. Where to begin? I mean, we have to begin with the actresses. Obviously, I am less well versed in French cinema and French actresses, so I did a lot of sort of research. Obviously, I knew that like Catherine Deneuve is one of the most famous French actresses of her generation. Mm. One of the most sort of lauded and and appreciated. I mostly know her from Tony Scott's The Hunger, which I think is a very funny way to mostly know <laughs> a French actress. She was nominated for her only Oscar in 1992 for Indochine, which is not a, which is a movie I still have not seen. Um, we'll get into it the last time that France has won the International Future Oscar. We're going to do a deep dive on France and the International Future Oscar. Um, that's a wild stat, though. That's a wild stat, considering how many times. 30 years. 30 years. Um, uh, what else, though? She's sort of, she's an actress who has worked with the greats, right? Uh, Jacques Demy in The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, Roman Polanski in Repulsion, Louis Buñuel in Belle du Jour. Um, she had just recently starred in Lars von Trier's Dancer in the Dark shortly before this movie. Um, I've since seen her in a few things. She was in the Koreeda movie that we were talking about last week, the one that played Tiff, whose title I can never remember. The Truth. The Truth. What if there Which, was truth? What if there was truth? I didn't love The Truth, to be completely honest, but... Um, it's it could be better. It, it could, could be, be better. It's not like a piece of shit. You know what I mean? It's like, not what you would hope for with a Juliette Binoche, right? Catherine Deneuve vehicle, right? Um, I'm trying to think of like what else I've seen uh, her in in the last maybe ten years because she like have you she seen works. A Christmas Tale. That's no. the one that yeah. That's one of the like 
alternative, but it's not really alternative Christmas movies that, you know, I see people recommending every year. We're also talking about this a month out from Christmas, and it's a Christmas movie. So I know. I, that's fine. Uh, um, I feel like I'm going to be bringing Christmas bra- back this episode. I'm already excited for Christmas 2024. <laughs> there's, uh, um, she kind of, she works a lot, though, is, is yeah. the thing. And no, Christmas Tale I have not seen, I should see. She was a voice in Persepolis, which obviously was an animated feature nominee. Um, she's in a movie called The Girl on the Train, but not that The Girl on the Train. Um, she's in that Ozone movie uh, Potiche that I did not see, but I remember hearing about that sort of got mm-hmm. a little bit of, like, when I say attention in the States, I mean like people who are tuned into foreign language films. Um, but yeah, what is your, what is your experience with Catherine Deneuve? Aside from the ones that you hadn't really mentioned, I mean, I would say the Jacques Demy films, Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Have you seen that? I still haven't. That's one of those movies that has been so strongly recommended to me that I'm waiting for like, it's, it's like, it's this Casablanca situation where I'm like, I can't just, see it in a theater. I can't just turn it on and watch it. I need to watch it in a theater or like. Now that I've got the the 4K TV, I want to maybe see if I can get like a a good, you know, if there's a really good uh, Blu-ray or something like that that I can watch or something that will allow me to experience this movie in a way that like I can be blown away. Because I like I recorded it off of TCM. It's sitting there on my DVR, but I don't want to just like watch it off a of TCM for the first time. You know what I mean? I mean, that just also, feels... like, when you were living in New York, there was a decent chance that you could see Umbrellas of Cherbourg in yeah. a theater, too. Well, so I visit often movie. enough that it's not out of the question that I could be playing when I go and visit. Like, I did manage to see Thief, uh, Michael Mann's Thief, when I was in town last time. So, like, these things, you know, these you things had to happen. skip out on Yee Yee, though. I'm gonna force I know, that movie on I know, I had to skip hours. out on Yee Yee. I know. <laughs> Um, but no, I think both of those Jacques Demy movies are a huge access point into this movie, especially, you know, yeah. in terms of like what I mean, Umbrellas of Cherbourg is sung through, if I remember correctly, and this mm-hmm. is not. But the the vibe of the musical sequences mm-hmm. make complete sense for like what this is, you know, um, when you know the there are actual musical sequences in eight women yeah um so yeah i'll be interested to see what you think of that she's been in at least uh one or two i believe uh agnes varda movies do you have anything to speak to uh (laughs) what is that movie called the one that de niro is in oh uh, i don't know what is the name of that varda movie it's one of the worst part of movies oh is that um, true <laughs> yeah and i think i think that's that's when know, would that have a been? conventional thought um uh, that's definitely more i mean all, oh 100 101 nights is that what it is i don't yes know. uh not my favorite part of movie um so yeah 101 nights from 1995 i'd never heard of that one before well <laughs> maybe for reason um god this cast though my goodness uh marcello mastriani and and anouk ami and fanny ardant is in that film and mm-hmm. gerard depardieu and hannah shigulia and 
Stephen Dorff, my God, like uh, Harrison Ford, Isabella Johnny, uh, Clint Eastwood, my gosh, this cast. Well, Harrison cast. Ford and Agnes were buddies, so. But like all in one, all in one film. Anyway, um, I've never heard of that movie, but now I have an odd sort of um, uh, push to to see it. She's also in a movie in 1999 that I remember hearing about, but I'd never seen called Pola X, the Leos Carax uh, film, Pola X. Also super not available in the States, but it had yeah. like explicit sex sequences. Mm-hmm. It was very long. I think there's multiple versions of that movie. She's in a... Uh, has not been super available. Arno Desplechin movie. How do we pr- pronounce Desplechin? I think it's Desplechin, but you All know, right. um, his movies don't always come to the States unless they're a Christmas tale. Right, um, and but, they're the movies that always show up at Cannes, and everyone is like, "Why do they keep giving us lot to these okay movies?" I remember hearing good things about Kings and Queen, though, in two thousand four. That yes, was um, that's one. supposed to be very good. Mathieu Amalric is in that one. She just works with all the great, seemingly all the great French filmmakers, and I imagine all the great French filmmakers really want to work with Catherine Deneuve. And so, um, her career has you know two times César. Winner for uh, the Last Metro and Indochine for uh, the Venice Film Festival. She won Best Actress in 1998 for Place Vendrome. Um, she's just, you know, sort of internationally recognized as one of the greats and also one of the great sort of beauties. The sort of, you know, this generation of great French actresses who are also these great French beauties and um, feels very much Uses. Um, sort of culturally enshrined uh, in that way. Um, Even if you have a a passive or less than passive knowledge of French cinema, you probably know who Catherine Deneuve is. Even though Catherine Deneuve has continued to work through, like, current day, she still very much seems like a creature of the 60s French cinema, whereas Isabelle Huppert seems like a creature of... 70s and 80s sort of like she was she just came on the on the scene in the very late 70s and um she seems like the the generation next you know from that and yes um this very exciting thrilling daring terrifying you know what i mean like uh uh <laughs> beautiful and terrifying in equal greatest measure. living was, actress period it, it was so great seeing her be so comedic because genuinely the first thing I'm the dumb American who the very first thing I'd ever seen her in was I heart Huckabees. And so um, it's see, and she, and that's such a funny movie and she's not, she's very, the, the humor in her character is how uncomedic she is, right? She's very like unfazed by all the like farce happening around her. Um, but I think she's wonderful in that movie, but it's so amazing seeing her in the mode she's in in eight women where she is just absolutely, like I said, 1.5x speed. And she's just just mean, but like just like viciously nasty, but in this really funny way. Um, she's so dramatic. She's all, she's, oh my gosh, my heart can't take it. All this sort of stuff. She hates everybody. She hates her sister. She hates her nieces. She hates her mother. She hates everyone. And um, Oh my gosh, such a fun time. Such it's a fun so, time. She's so funny. I'm so glad that you like this performance as much oh as I God. do. Because, I mean, I think she's easy to single out. Oh, she's just a by big nature of performance. Yeah. The role. Like, this is the type of role that, like, yeah. if this was something that was, 
you know, a property that was redone and redone and redone, it would actually be fun for us to be like, what American actresses will we put in these roles? Oh, God, um, I would need preparation. That's too, I can't do that off the cuff. Yeah. She would be, she would be the role that like constantly is singled out because it's, the highs and lows of the character are so, there's such a range to it. And yeah. she, you know, I think she's done a lot of comedies, but I think mm-hmm. at least from the ones that I have seen, uh, she does a lot of bad comedies or comedies that don't translate. And How many years before we let Anne Hathaway do this role in the, in the, like, <laughs> like maybe like 15 years? And then she's maybe not too many, not as many. I mean, Anne Hathaway does seem to love doing this kind of nature of performance. Uh-huh. So maybe. Yeah. But. I think she. Yeah, fun. she she's just so exquisite. She's so funny in this movie. And uh, I always feel a little silly for to say that for our greatest living actress who is known for serious and severe performances that maybe one of my top five of her performances is in this movie this like kind of fra- like uh uh-huh. try a movie that people think is like a trifle at least okay i'm gonna put you on the spot because i think you can take it you mentioned top five isabella pair performances what I'm are your top five my top five well um, like like talk it through because I want to know, like, what is the canon? What is the Uper canon for you? I mean, I think that the can- the canon for Uper is probably right or very close to right, you know? Uh, and, like, she had her renaissance, which, like, I was one of those people learning of a lot of her movies as well in 2016 because she had this duo of performances in Elle and Things to Come. I'm the psychopath who prefers her things to come performance between the two of them. I think she's in things to come. I don't think yeah, it's like, at all. Yeah, like, she's on my ballot for that movie, not Elle. Um, obviously the piano teacher, um, she won her second can Best Actress Prize for that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that movie's a whole can of worms that I could you know, uh, uh really, uh, divulge into, but, like, uh, one million percent see the piano teacher. One million percent know what you're getting yourself into when you see the piano teacher listeners. But um, just one of the greatest screen performances of all time. And then I would also single out her two Venice wins, both for uh, Story of Women and La Ceremony, both Claude Chabrol films that I would say her eight women performance is maybe the closest to in her career uh that i've seen closest to la ceremony in that she's just bringing this whole different energy to both of these movies than the rest of them have and obviously la la ceremony when you see it it's incredibly chaotic and like the most like unhinged Isabelle Huppert performance you've ever seen because usually we think of her as a very controlled, very meticulous performer. Mm-hmm. And La Ceremony, she's like it's Isabelle Huppert as Tasmanian Devil. You really <laughs> don't know what she's going to do next. Um, and Story of Women is one that really uh, kind of caught me off guard. I need to rewatch it. It's the one that John Waters always cites 
of her performances that oh. are like uh, the the among the greats. Um, so I I would maybe say that's the the thing that hasn't quite been canonized for her yet and if it has it's because of john waters yeah um that should be you look at her filmography and it's one of those like every year seemingly she was in a film that was in competition at Cannes. like she was sort of um you know the the uh, uh mascot for the Cannes film festival throughout the like 1980s seemingly well and she usually shows up even if she doesn't have a movie there Love that's that. why when she was the jury president it was like seen as a long time coming but it's because she had to not have a movie mm-hmm. that would be playing to be able to do those jury duties right and uh according to James Gray, he hated her, and she kind of dictated what a lot of the wins would be, to which I say, get over it, James Gray. Sure. Um, she's earned She's earned that spot. She's earned it. But it's it's rare that she doesn't show up to Cannes, and then, you know, it's somewhat rare that she doesn't have a movie playing one of right. the sidebars. Right. Uh, I think when... She didn't show up for EO, and I think partly because they'd wanted to keep her cameo in that a surprise, movie. yeah. A surprise. Um, but yeah, it, she, I mean, she never stops working, because in addition to doing a ton of movies every year, uh, some of which don't really make it to the States, she also does a lot of theater, and mm-hmm. like around the globe, too. You know, it's not like she's just doing French theater. She'll do theater in the UK, in Australia, off-Broadway. <laughs> uh, a few things about her recent career that I want to bring up. Uh, one, did we know that she does the voice of uh, Mrs. Felicity Fox in the French dub of Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yes, and I keep meaning to like fire up my Criterion and put on the French audio track to see if it's her on yeah. there or not. Yeah, or if I can get my hands on it because that's all you need to know. You need you just need to know that she is voicing that role, and you know that it's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> you just know that it's perfect. Um. Also, can we talk for five seconds about how great she is in Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris? Perfect. Perfect. I just, she's so fun. And so, like, it's a very stock role, right? She's the mean fashion lady who doesn't appreciate this, you know, bumpkin from America who's come over. But, like, she plays it to perfection. She's Um, very stressed about keeping the order of things. Yeah. Uh, in a way that is very, very funny. This but I also is... think there's a turn with that character that is not easy to pull off. Right. she does very, very subtly. Right. Um, and then finally, she was in this year um, a another Francois Ozone movie called The Crime is Mine. Um, that looked to A be... movie that is not very good, but she it is... It couldn't have been, because we would have heard about it. Uh, when did you see it? Uh, or, or... Uh, I watched it on a screener yeah. um, at the end of the year. I think it opened Christmas weekend, very limited release. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily recommend the movie. She doesn't show up until about an hour in, and she completely turns the movie around Imagine. with how funny she is. Imagine. Um it's like a murder she mystery. She basically farce? plays a foil the... to the two leads. Uh, okay. In this like f- 
fake uh, murder confession. And then she's like this uh, high society woman who is very high on her own supply uh, claiming this murder. But she's very funny in that movie. Uh, Her hair on the poster looks kind of uh, uh, wild and crazy 80s. Look at her on the poster for this movie and you get the vibe that she's giving. Um, Yeah. I want to see some stills, actually. Give me a second. I want to bring some up. Because, yeah, it's like big sort of like Bernadette Peters-style red curls a little bit. Like, oh, and she's wearing a veil. Um, I'm not uninterested in seeing this movie after seeing just the poster of it. Just um, jump an hour into the movie uh-huh. when she shows up. Yeah. It's, you don't need to follow it. You you get the broad comedy she's doing Yeah, uh, just from her scenes alone. This is the thing about Uper is that I think people talk about her in such limited terms, you know, mm-hmm. they think that she's very severe and very intense, but her actual filmography, not, you know, and some of it isn't, you know, the most exciting work. Well, let me, t- let me, let me figure out how to qualify this. She hasn't always done great movies. Right. You know, the the greats are like right there and like the greats like, you know, something like Piano Teacher, all time greats. Um but for someone who works so much, you can't expect them to all be bangers. But she is consistently the best part of those right. uh, you know, misses. Sure. sure. Yes. Uh without question. Yeah. Um I have to pull up. Because for a while, she was my number one performer on Letterboxd, and I think Meryl has overtaken her. But because Meryl has uh, been kind of on a break while she's maybe having uh, furious sex with Martin Short. Not furious, honey. Um... <laughs> uh, I just want them to be... I want it to be real. I want it's it to not be real. real. I want it's it not to real, be real, but I want to believe. Um, I'm going to pull it up and see how many Uper movies I've seen and if she is my number one performer of all time. When you get to a certain age, you can be com- like, maybe they're just like companions to each other now. Like, you know what I mean? And they don't have to be like, you know, dating or like. Sure. I, we a- want Meryl to be happy. We want Meryl to be happy. But also, if it's just going to be a companion, Meryl, get a gay person. I don't know. Maybe this is what Meryl wants and needs right now, and and I'm going to honor that. I just think they're adorable together. I think what an adorable, you know, later in life pairing for the both of them. Um, and he had like he's a he's a widower. His wife had had you know, um, uh, died not too long ago and whatever. And she's coming off of this like very long marriage and. Um, I don't know. I find it. They are my, um, whatever anybody tries to like ship, you know, uh, younger actors together and whatever. And I'm just like, oh, go away. Go away, you, you loathsome ghouls. And now I'm just like, <laughs> but I want to imagine the ins and outs of, uh, of not, not that way, the, 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 the eccentricities of a relationship between Meryl Streep and Martin Short. I would love it. Anyway. You have at fifty four films tied for second place are Julianne Moore and Meryl Streep, and at sixty films, number one with a bullet, Isabelle Huppert. Amazing. You have if MTV's Fanatic were still a show, I would encourage you to apply 
so that you could meet Isabella. Imagine Isabella Pair reacting to meeting a fan via the vehicle of MTV's fanatic. I think I think it should be a crime against humanity to make her say the words MTV. <laughs> um, I I I Cuz re- say music? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Before we move on from Uper, did you watch the Mandarin Oriental commercial that I sent to you? Her version no. of it. No. When did so, you send it to me? I sent it to you on like Thursday or Friday. No, I missed it. Like it, it, this week. And you dare to claim that I'm gaslighting you that we talked about uh how to get your hands on this movie. You can't remember something we talked about on Thursday. Well, wait, I'm now I'm scrolling back because um I want to make sure that you did and you're not just pretending that you did. So, okay. Um CPR dummy of the future can piss blood. Um I'm trying to I'm scrolling through all the things that, that Chris sends all me. All the deranged the things that the internet shows me that I'm like, if I had to see it, someone else has to see it. Yeah, no, you sent that to me uh at eleven forty AM when I was probably tearing my hair out trying to figure out an article to write. So um okay. Uh you, I, I'm just gonna watch it right now. You're gonna get my real time reaction to it. All right, then I'm gonna watch it too. I'm a fan of BAM. I'm a fan of nature, walking in forests and reading books. I'm a fan of music and museums. I'm a fan of traveling. I'm a fan of Mandarin Oriental. She says I'm a fan of BAM, as in like Brooklyn Academy. Okay, of Music. that's kind of what I thought. That's so. F- well, maybe she was auditioning for uh-huh. Abichapong Weir Sathakul's Memoria. She was like, I know Tilda really wants this, but like, I want this role. I'm so a fan of I'm Bam. I'm a fan of Bam. Memoria jokes. I got them. You got <laughs> Um, The way that she absolutely holds a deadpan and the whole ad, the camera is pushing in on her face. So you're like, where is this going? And she, to me, seems so clear that what she is, the spawn con she is doing mm-hmm. is so fucking stupid. But mm-hmm. she's like, you know what? I could make this funny. I think she is so very, like, clearly playing into a it's the sinister severity. It's the sinister version of we both like soup and. <laughs> <laughs> no, the sinister version of this is Rami Malek's Mandarin Oriental <laughs> one. Because that's the one where he's like, I'm a fan of old movies. I'm a fan of my mom. And, like, just the most uncomfortable <laughs> Uh, myself personally, I'm a fan of the Mandarin, Mandarin Oriental. I'm a fan videos. Sure, there, that's that's your version of it. Yeah. What are we doing here? Um, okay, so I imagine Uper is at the top of our list in terms of the performances in this movie. So yes, uh, eight women got the honor of at at least a couple of awards this year, getting best cast at a at a. Not at like a SAG that like generally honors best cast, but like mm-hmm. at the Berlin Film Festival, they gave their Outstanding Artistic Achievement Award to all eight cast members in Eight Women. The European Film Award for Best Actress went to the whole cast of Eight Women, which is like, okay, that's great and lovely. And but like, 
you are I at some support point what Berlin did of giving them like their own their prize own thing. They, yeah, they give it you know quotes artistic achievement, but they mean best ensemble. Sure. Whereas they still gave out a best actress prize. Right. They gave it to Holly Berry for Monsters Ball because remember the time when it's like late breaking Oscar movies would also play Berlin. Right. 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 Uh, R.I.P. But yeah, I'm not a fan of giving best actress to. Hey, you've got AP. What are what is this? Billy Elliot? What is this? Uh, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> They're not playing the same role. Yeah. Um, Cannes done it before. For Berlin's even done it because I think Berlin did both best actress and best actor to like all of the male actors and all of the female actors in a separation. I give Can a wide berth for this kind of thing. If it's like Can did it, I know for Volver. If it's like, but yeah, once it gets into like, well, we're just going to like, it seems like you're punting. It seems like you're just like, well, all of them. So Chris file, I'm going to ask you with the caveat that I'm sure Uper is your number one rank. The other seven actresses in this film full rank for their performance in this film some of it comes down to me like what songs do i like the most sure because maybe my two and three would be ludovin sanye and fermin richard because i feel like their songs are the most effective that's absolutely supportable but it's also like how they play i mean Ludovin's song is like the pop girly song of all of these, and it opens the movie, and it makes you really think that, like, oh, all of these songs are going to be so fun. This is Papa, Papa, you're like, out of touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope you can drop it in here. It's in the trailer um, that I that I believe is in the part that I clipped. So, yeah, fabulous, fabulous. Um, what a fun song. Uh, and then like. Uper gets a downer song that she gets to act the shit out of. Deneuve's song is pretty good. Yeah. But, like, Emmanuel Bayard's song is pretty short and fine. Fanny Ardant's Emmanuel song. Bayard's song reminded me of Zuby Zuby Zoo in, in Mad Men a little bit. Like, there was a little <laughs> bit of that um, uh, in this. But I am also an uncultured slob so uh sure 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 okay so then i would say ludovin 2 firmin 3 there's a lot less of her in this movie Mm -hmm. danielle dario 4 okay she gets up she stands she can walk it's uh she gets shoved in a wine closet yeah she has the beautiful downer song that ends the movie right yeah um Five Fanny Ardant, six Deneuve, seven uh, Manuel Bayard, and then eight. I apologize, sorry, Virginie Ledoyen. She'd probably be my eight as well. Um, and I would probably put Bayard a little bit lower. No, like no shade. I don't think anybody in this movie is bad. Um, I put Bayard seventh. How are you going to put her lower? Oh, sorry, sorry, her last. What's that? I put her seventh. How are you going to put her lower if you're not putting her last? No, I'm. T- I'm just saying. I probably would have put her around, around there, around seven. Oh, okay. So we have yeah. the same seven and eight. Yeah, I think so. Um, I probably put Fanny Ardant a little bit higher. I I just need to say. Um, speaking as you know, not a lesbian, so I'm I'm uh, uh out of turn, perhaps. The soft butch energy happening with both Fanny Ardant and Catherine Deneuve in this movie with mm-hmm. 
is just off of the charts. I know there's like queer energy suffused throughout this movie. Emmanuel Bayard's character is also very um uh, every sort of every glance she she gives is a one like packed with sapphic intent, but like um This is why in the American version she needs to be played by Catherine Zeta Jones. See? See? Okay. Uh, because wait, we're all if we're doing an American version, we're casting people who can sing. Wait. Catherine Catherine Zeta Jones in which role? In the Fanny Ardon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I thought you were gonna say as as Louise the chambermaid. That doesn't make as much sense. But no, no, um, no, no, no. no, no. I think Catherine Zeta Jones as the the sister is perfect. Um she's so like she just sort of swans in there and is just like, well, I'm gonna fuck up everything that's <laughs> happening in this room right now. Um, Ding dong, does someone call for a lesbian? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and it's like it's one of those things where it's just like her presence you know, sort of like throws everybody's uh, metrics off of uh, 100%. Every, the scene with her and Deneuve leading up to them making out on the floor is so incredibly, like, the melodrama is off the charts. Like, I, I, I want to be in the room when John Waters watches that scene, because, like, that seems <laughs> like, I want to watch this movie with John Waters just in general. I feel like that's, like, on a, like, a make-a-wish uh, list for me. But, um... It's incredible. It's really incredible. They really know how to. This movie jumps from tone to tone, right? Really well, well. because it's referencing so many different yes. things. It's yeah. referencing Cirque. It's referencing Umbrellas of Cherbourg. It's you know, it's referencing Hitchcock. It's mm-hmm. all of those things. It's also referencing the actors themselves. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like. They're all cast very intentionally for what their screen personas were at the time. Mm-hmm. Huppert, keep in mind, this is, I think, the first big movie after Piano Teacher. Well, and in the States, they both come out in the same year. Yeah. 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 But yeah, she had just won the Cannes Best Actress Prize for Piano Teacher in 2001. So, so. conceivably, she'd already shot this movie, but... Conceivably, you know, yeah. She'd already had that. Well, especially because I would love to know what the shooting process was for this, because it is, you know, just the one location, and they're all in the same room, essentially. So is it just, like, I, I who knows nothing about the actual, like, you know, art of filmmaking, but I imagine that it's just, like coverage upon coverage upon coverage like i don't know like it's it's um the compactness of this movie is incredibly intoxicating i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i love it's i know some people in a fun way too like i just have accepted about myself that like stagey is not a problem for me and stagey in some ways is like I, I, that's a, that's a benefit for me. Like, I love well, and, the uh, energy probably of especially it. for something like this where it's so intentionally. I so. love the energy of it. I love the, the, you know, they're not even in rooms. They're in the fucking foyer. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like, they are, they haven't the even giant managed mansion to... foyer at Christmas. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's incredible. It's like, it's, all right, this is a bad comparison, but I'm just going to say it. Um, it's very Daytona wind coded in that way, where it's just sort of <laughs> no, it is. It's it's a uh, Daytona wind uh... <laughs> without the farts. It's Daytona wind without the farts. 
Um, yes. But it's very much just like they're just doors on either side. And like somebody's always coming in. The scene where um, uh, Madame Chanel, the, the cook, is like, I know exactly what's happening. Hold on a second. I'm going to go outside and then I'm going to come back in. And everybody's like, we think she's the killer. Let's go hide. <laughs> and they're inside like the, the China closet that is like flush with the wall. So like you can't really see. And it's just like, what is going on here? That like you're all playing hide and seek. And then one of them shoots her. And oh my God, it's um, whatever it's queen so is funny. playing Augustine is absolutely winning this week's challenge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The queen who pouts about having to play Louise and has the least line. This would actually be a perfect lip syncing drag race challenge. Just like as is the script as is and just like, <laughs> and pick the roles. It would be, it's a perfect drag race challenge. It really Maybe is. we should uh, cast drag race Queens instead of American actresses. Oh girl. Like Jinx Monsoon as uh, Augustine is, is my number one pick. I don't know if I would say Jinx Monsoon for that role. Okay. I feel like you need almost more someone who's meaner, not to like just say that everybody thinks Isabella Huppert is mean. I could even see Jinx she's being actually mean. quite lovely. Okay. Well, we'll think on it. We'll think on it. I would it. see Jinx more as Gabby in the Catherine Deneuve role because like that Catherine Deneuve song for Jinx Monsoon mm-hmm. would be fabulous. Okay. Who is Fanny Ardant's character? Who's the most? Uh, who's a real like Essler? Um, who who's the hussy? Who's, um, who's the biggest hussy? Um, worth, worth. Ooh, actually, like not a hussy, but maybe Shea Oh, maybe I could see that. I could see that. Just like. Fabulous, statuesque, taller than everyone else. I was going to say Brooklyn Heights for for similar reasons. I also say Simone as uh, Ludovine Sanier's uh, role. Love that. Love right. that. Virginie Ledoyen is uh, whoever wears a ponytail the most. <laughs> Honestly, that one clip of bob and peppermint where peppermint can't say it's fashion um bob has a ponytail in that and now i'm thinking of of uh of, of bob bob in that role yeah yeah, yeah. all right um fascinating uh, mental route hole listeners uh, get at us with who you think who should play what role uh let's talk about francois ozone for a second because i feel like this is another area where you can probably school me a little bit um we'll talk aside- about french submissions for oscars too but like yeah France doesn't always submit people multiple times, and this is the only time that this is the movie of his that was submitted, even though I think at least for American audiences, he is a like one of the more well known yeah uh, well, especially French during directors because his stuff gets distributed here often during this run, especially because I remember under the sand got some sort of distribution, mm-hmm. eight women, and then swimming pool was. Probably his mo- his most yeah the one that came after Eight Women was probably his most widely distributed in America. I would say also focus features also focus features. Um, a real one eighty for Ludovin though. One oh, year back to back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For real. Yeah. It's amazing that they come one year apart from each other because Swimming Pool she is very much 
like sexualized and um yes swimming pool is another movie i saw so long ago that i'm like i barely i don't remember a thing Uh about it uh really same beyond the two lead performances what is Um, ozone's sort of reputation among french filmmakers i believe incredibly hit and miss yeah uh sometimes things get really bad he's not really sometimes it's like no this is a good one right he's not really revered um I'm trying to think of... I remember there being a lot of chatter about In the House, um, which was his... I need to catch up to that. I haven't seen that. That's supposed to be one of the good ones. Kristen Scott Thomas is in that one. Um, Yes, but that is supposed to be one of the good ones. Um, And Summer of 85 was supposed to be one of the good ones, but I feel like that's just a pandemic year thing of people... uh, you know, uh, overly optimistic about everything. I didn't love that movie as much as other people seem to. Well, plus the poster of that movie. All I remember that movie is the poster, which is just very, um, like twinks on a motorcycle, twinks on a motorcycle, but like in a very, just like everybody, like their hair is, you know, blowing in the breeze. And it's very much just like, what if you were handsome when you were a teenager in France? It's just like, oh, right. right. <laughs> By the Grace of God is one that I should catch up to because a lot of people uh, really uh, and thought that that one was great. I think that was a Berlin winner. Maybe it was a Venice winner. Um, yeah. And then Double Lover, which is, I think, one of the ones that uh, Jessica Chastain was talking shit about. Oh, um, because We're going to be speculating about that quote till the day we die. What movies? Talk about wanting Chastain to watch about. a movie with John Waters. I want to watch this movie with John Waters. There is a shot that dissolves from, I believe, a human eye into um, a sh- close-up shot of labia. Um, that, like, you can see why people hated that movie. Yeah, yeah. But... I thought it was kind of fun. I'm also trash, but fun. I'm also curious to check out um uh Peter von Kant, the the adaptation of yeah, uh, Rainer yeah. Werner Fassbender's the uh, Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant, um, to see what sort of the this gender flipped version of it would be. Um also Ozone's sort of breakthrough movie was Water Drops on Burning Rocks, which was another adaptation of i believe a fassbender play um that also that movie starred uh ludovine Sonier was in that one as well she must have been very uh well no it was only 2000 so it was only a couple years before yeah yes um all right anyway so let's talk about french cinema submissions for the foreign language oscar Throughout the years, I feel like you are coming at this with some scholar energy. <laughs> I believe they are the second most awarded in Academy history, uh, given that this prize is technically awarded to the country, not to yeah. the filmmaker, even though the filmmaker accepts it, whatever. Um, Italy is number one. They've... Uh, France has a long history of winning this category, but a recent, uh, you know, struggle 
to not necessarily to get nominated, especially this period. Yeah, the odd it gets nominated. Women is the outlier in that it doesn't get nominated. It's one of the few in that decade that did not get nominated. Um, you can maybe see why, because of course gay men would love this movie, but the broader academy, it's probably easy to reduce this movie to a trifle rather than sure, sure, you know. A, te- a technical achievement uh, of tone, etc. It- it's also Focus is releasing two circomages in a single year, this and Far From Heaven, and yeah. neither of them were fully to the Academy taste. I wonder why. Um, but certainly Far From Heaven much more. Yes. For yes. reasons that, that are pretty obvious. It's wild to me. I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh yeah, but at least France has been nominated a bunch. They've only been nominated twice since 2010. Exactly. exactly. That's so for... shocking because they always seem like they're in the mix for mm-hmm. something. You know what I mean? And then the, uh, whatever they submit has eyes on it purely because it's coming from France. Right. Um, right. Even big movies like The Untouchables mm-hmm. don't end up getting nominated, even though that's a movie that made money in the United States yeah. relative to other, you know, non-american films and yet sometimes Uh, they don't submit a movie that does well anyway you know what i mean anatomy of a fall see the there we should say there are two nominees in the past decade uh les miserables which we would have talked about last week because it was the submission over portrait of a lady on fire and then uh in 2015 mustang which i loved mustang's the one about the five girls yes yeah 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 that's a good movie. Yeah, great movie. That filmmaker um, has gone on to to do some other stuff, right? Uh, did you see what was it called? What was it called with Daniel Craig and Holly Berry that bombed at that? Oh, tip? Kings. No, I didn't. Kings. No, not a good movie. Kings. No, um, I didn't. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But among those submissions, there's kind of high profile movies that don't even get shortlisted like L and BPM Mm -hmm. uh, in the past decade. Titan, obviously Titan Mm -hmm. being a huge talking point. The uh, Titan being the submission presumed pushed through by Thierry Frimo, the uh, head of can that movie obviously won. I respect the swing, honestly. Like I know that like Titan was not for everybody's taste and we all sort of assumed that Titan it, it was, was going to be scant at that movie when it was the submission because they were like, well, the Academy's not going to go for that, right? But that it was also Neon had that movie. Neon was, you know, gonna try it with that movie, even though like people yeah. still weren't back in theaters, and that's why I think that movie didn't do as well in the states as yeah. it could have because it's just like nobody was going to the movies. Um, Plus, I also think by winning Can it put a target on itself that I think there was a lot more backlash against that movie. People were very show me about that movie. Mm-hmm. That is a huge outlier as a Palm winner. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the skepticism around Titan's submission was also France was faced with submitting the Palm winner or the Golden Lion winner with Happening. Happening won the Golden Lion or did it win the Grand Prix? I happening don't won the Golden Lion. Okay. Happening was also uh IFC had that movie. I didn't love it as much as everyone else did. I appreciate it on a filmmaking level. 
I don't feel like we ever know that character in a way that I felt was very limiting for that movie. My thing with Happening is that it's a really good idea, but M. Night Shyamalan doesn't really know how to turn it into an elegant you horror fucker. movie. You fucker. You fucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not see Happening, um, the, the one that you were talking about. Um, What is it about, if our listeners are not familiar? I believe it's said in the mid-century or late mid-century, like in the 60s in France, a college-age young woman uh, tries to get an abortion. Um, and it's very, uh, y- you know, f- the camera follows her literally mm-hmm. closely. It's very that. It's very that yeah. of, like, putting you in the experience of this woman. Uh, and I think it's it's well made, but I think on a screenplay level, I don't ever know this character on a character level so it's the type of thing that's very easy to project onto yeah this character this is a very um, open-ended question so i genuinely am just sort of throwing it out there do you think that france's struggles to make it onto the foreign language film slash international film nomination list as of late have impacted those filmmakers uh abilities to cross over into the United States, because you look at some of those filmmakers who have been nominated over the years, and going back only as far as even 2010, Inyari Lanthimos, Villeneuve, um, um, Pablo Lorraine, uh, Paolo Sorrentino, Thomas Vinterberg, um, uh, Laszlo Nemish, um, uh, Marin Ade, Sebastian Lelio, uh, Bong Joon-ho, who was a deal before of Parasite, but, you know, obviously has had his uh, 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 profile uh, raised, and I, uh, uh, Joaquin Trier, and I'm curious to, like, what what you make of that, and whether, like, I think we are doing a good job of recognizing foreign directing talent in our own culture in a way that maybe we haven't done as well since the seventies. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I wonder if like, is France a little bit like on the outside looking in because of the ability to, to raise a profile that an Oscar nomination can do. Uh, I think definitely to some degree, I mean, Verhoeven being the outlier because L was their submission and didn't even make the short list and Verhoeven was already established yeah. in the American right. system. Right. Uh, but like you think of someone like a Bertrand Bonello or Robin Campillo. Yeah. As director I was thinking about Robin Campillo specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Robin Campillo has a whole follow up to BPM mm-hmm. that like didn't go to can didn't select it mm-hmm. and then that kind of ended up being the end of the road for that movie in terms of mm-hmm. an american audience i'm kind of desperate to see it it yeah. really got it apparently got great reviews yeah. and did well in france but like it didn't even play toronto whereas what would have maybe happened to his follow-up to bpm if bpm had gotten nominated right. like it deserved right you know yeah and Bertrand Bonello is kind of, uh, I haven't seen Saint Laurent, but it's apparently way weirder than you think it would be for a biopic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Bonello's films, like, 
uh, are all very love or hate. Sure. Um, but like, I am turning out to be very pro Bonello of late. <laughs> I love, but like, those are good filmmakers to have too. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I, I, I think, you know, I love that. And, you know, among the most recent of the French directors that have been submitted, I don't, I mean, I think a lot of eyes will be on Julia DeCurno's follow-up to Titan. Mm-hmm. I think the same will be true with however Elise Diop moves forward, Saint-Omer being an outright masterpiece that should have been nominated. Yeah. IMO. <laughs> but again, like, I, I wonder if those, you know, filmmakers... I don't wonder because I, 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 you know that like that's a that's a that's a big boost that they could have gotten in terms yeah. of visibility and in terms of financing and and audience the, the you know reach and what and whatnot. So yeah, what do you think's going to happen with the taste of things? Because this feels like a very accessible movie for American audiences to the point where it's like yeah, the eyes could be on Tran An Hung. For, you know, making a movie in the English language. Sure. Well, I our, our you know, friend and former guest, uh, uh, Kyle Buchanan, had tweeted a while ago about how The Taste of Things could be, could have been a, you know, could be a contender for Best Picture and could really, like, come on yeah. strong. And I really, um, I put a lot of credence into that. And obviously, like, these things sort of, you know, wax and wane and whatnot. And having now seen the movie, I could absolutely see how that's the case. And it's kind of a bummer. It's not quite an Iron Claw situation where it just, like, it waited too long and now it's completely out of the conversation. But, like, it's not so far from it. It just, people didn't see it. Like, I know that, like, it played Cannes and it played New York Film Festival. It should have played Toronto. They should have taken that movie to Toronto. I think I agree with that. I think it should have played. I think that's a movie that like play it everywhere. Who like like what are you, what are you what are you you know holding onto it for? The problem is that it's IFC that has it. I IFC know, doesn't have nemesis. money, and they've apparently done like FYC events for the movie where they have these incredible menus and such. But mm-hmm. that sounds like it was early on in the season. Yeah. And I think, yeah, when you watch the movie, it's like, this could have been a contender Mm -hmm. in a lot of categories, and I think IFC only has the infrastructure to really go for international feature, and I think, ultimately... This is a conversation, a side conversation I've wanted to sort of have for a while, and we don't really have the time to really get into it. Uh, Maybe we'll do it as a a Patreon bonus at some point. But um, we talk a lot about, oh, well, this movie would could be a thing except it's at ifc or it's at uh-huh. sony pictures classics or i mean sony pictures classics actually does better didn't than used a lot to be that way for sony classics but it is now and so really the only sort of we don't want anything to go to netflix because it'll get swallowed the only real possibilities are a24 and neon and as we've seen this year those lineups get real crowded real fast and we can't just sort of like hope everything goes to neon or A24, but, like, what else is there? Taste of Things is more at home with, like, Focus than it is. Well, and even Focus, though. Focus this year, if Taste of Things goes to Focus, I know that, like, they have probably more resources. But, like, they've got the holdovers. You know what I mean? They've got their their horse in this race. But they've only got the holdovers. Like That's fair. Especially because, like, nothing's happening with Asteroid City. Yeah. 
Taste of Things is the type of movie that, like, if Searchlight had that movie, it would be a Best Picture nominee. Like, but then, but my thing is, what is Searchlight now? I guess my my more like big picture question is like, are we just sort of running out of places that can take care of a smaller movie and do a good Oscar campaign for it because they're just like we're we're these these outlets are drying up. Like at this point, Searchlight is hanging on like god bless god bless those people who are working there that place is hanging the thing about searchlight is yes it's under the disney umbrella but i think unless this has changed and i didn't notice it i'm pretty sure they have a lot of the same people there Mm -hmm. prior to the you know yes buying yeah right that's why that's what i mean it's sort of just like the people who are working there are doing good work but it's just sort of like the 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 question marks sort of hang over that one and i i'm just not to be the like as i am about so many things these days but just like oh remember how it used to be but like remember how it used to be remember how the collapsing of sony pictures classics is real depressing yeah real depressing yeah anyway bring back boutique uh indie labels and uh, and distribution and um, make it 1999 again. <laughs> I don't know. You know. <laughs> well, no, but like we could also get a movie that could be an awards player, like Eight Women. That's also very fun and like has an appeal, and like audiences can enjoy this movie, right? You know, yeah. And like the same is true of the taste of things. Like, yeah. Uh, hopefully, people. If not, if it doesn't do well with the Oscars, hopefully, American audiences when it opens apparently wide i don't know what wide is gonna mean for that movie but on valentine's day which is like not a bad strategy it's just people should have already been able to see this movie by now i think sometimes i think with the oscar calendar it's very hard these days to both get something in front of enough eyeballs that it becomes a presence throughout precursor season and also open it on valentine's day it's just too wide of a terrain in between you know what i mean yeah and so you have to make your decision to go one or the other and i guess the decision was made to just be like well we can you know maybe people will see it on valentine's day and i think because of that it just was not a thing in november and december when it needed to be and mm-hmm. and it misses things like the golden globes that should be the easiest layup for that movie to land yeah like yeah and I think it's no, it is nominated at Critics' Choice. I think I'm surprised I haven't seen more people because of the Binoche connection talk about it in the in the lens of Chocolat, which was a movie that was able to. And I know that like the Miramax of it all is a huge difference. And like, and again, it's wrong to be nostalgic for Miramax. And I'm not nostalgic for Harvey Weinstein, but I am nostalgic for a indie label having the kind of muscle that. Miramax had that uh, can make as much money as Chocolat made, right? And like, and there was the a thing lot about more taste that of was... things in relation to Chocolat, though, is the Chocolat haters will absolutely enjoy this movie, right? But it's just interesting that, like, how many years later that, like, the the taste of things, which has, I think, there's a maybe more of a uh an aggressively cute appeal to chocolate you know what i mean that like there's right. more of a they they push the story a little bit more in chocolate where the taste of thing a, a taste taste of things is more uh bittersweet vibes 
Oh, but such good bittersweet vibes. I can't wait to watch it again. Um, I'm glad you liked it because I was like, Joe's going to like this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The whole first like hour of that movie is. Oh, my God. Like exquisite, but stressful because the way that it's shot and assembled is, is so good. So good. It's also a very classic, like one cough and you're done for movie where it's just sort of like, <laughs> oh, no, not a cough. And then it's just like, oh, this is over. It's over. Oh, God, it's so sad. Um, the You know, when we talk about uh, movies in this category, though, we should talk a little bit about the process of it. You know, t- yeah, France has France has had tumult in recent years because they felt like. Can and Thierry Frimo, especially the influence, has resulted in uh, things not. It, it does feel like the French cinema is very bothered that uh, it's been thirty years since they've won this category, given the reputation of mm-hmm. France mm-hmm. among the global cinema community. Mm-hmm. I don't, but you know, so there's been some turnover in who is selecting the movies that are moving forward. And it's interesting that, you know, a lot of it has been placed on can and, you know, they still push forward a can movie, even if they didn't push forward the palm winner. I think it was very strategic for anatomy of a fall to not be the selection, given how much English is in that movie. But also at the end of the day, I think the way this race has shooken out they would have had a winner in Anatomy of a Fall. Yes. Like, part of me is just like, what's your fucking problem, guys? Like, do you, are you, do you, <laughs> do you hate success? Do you hate, like, winning? What's, what's, what's... But I think that there was, red- I think the the reason it wasn't pushed forward was the amount of English that is in the movie. Well, and like, then, yes, so, again, we, then... And they could have shaken out that people would have been like, well, no. But You can have your flowers, so or you can have your standards, and sometimes we cannot have both. <laughs> and you make your decision and you got to be good with it then. Um, and um, it's... What do we think is ultimately winning this year? Foreign language film? Yeah. I mean, we, we only have the short list, so we, you know, anything can happen. Hold on, I'm bringing it up It doesn't the feel like it's entirely locked down. Well... It does really feel like Teacher's Lounge, everything I've said about... Uh, I'm I'm crossing my fingers until it happens. I'm so hopeful that it does. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be very hard for the zone of interest to not win. I think that's true. It just doesn't feel like uh, zone of interest showing up on the PGA list feels like the final thing of, okay, Mm -hmm. it can happen, but there's just so much hesitancy around that movie of how well it's going to do. But maybe, maybe I think it's it. just I think it's very well respected um, and good for Jonathan Glazer, honestly. And people forget that, like, Ben Kingsley did get that nomination for Sexy Beast back in the day. So it's like just because Glazer has made, you know, uh, under the skin and birth. Right. Under the skin, especially. I think once under the skin ha- happened, a lot of people are like, oh, Glazer has no interest in being an Oscar nominated filmmaker. And that's fine. <laughs> um, but I think if you look at this, if I were to make a prediction for five right now. I think I would go zone of interest. And part of it is I just saw four daughters recently and really liked it, but I think it is going to be zone of interest, four daughters, 
Fallen Leaves. Uh, perfect days perfect days is coming on strong right now which was very smart of them to do and society of the snow although that seems very western that seems like a very western lineup and that has not been the tendency in recent years which is why i i'm sort of like i'm not ruling out bhutan and i'm not ruling out the mother of all lies could absolutely uh be nominated mother of all lies is so good Totem needs to be nominated. Totem is the best. I know you love Totem, but do you think, like, I, I don't know I don't how think realistic. It's be nominated, okay. No. I just haven't heard you. If, if not for you being in my life, I don't think I'd ever heard, I would have ever heard of Totem. So it's easily the best of them. Uh, so what is my five? What did I say? Zone of Interest, Four Daughters, Society of the Snow, Perfect Days, because... Fallen Leaves. What is your five? Okay. Um,. I've also said for a while, I was like, if they watch Godland, Godland is getting nominated just because yeah. of the look and feel of that movie. At this point, I don't think that they watched it. <laughs> I think it'll be Zone of Interest, Perfect Days, Teacher's Lounge, Fallen Leaves, even though Kaurismaki has been submitted a few times and not been nominated. But the momentum but like, for that one has really been going. Yeah, and that's a movie that a lot of people are talking about. Mm-hmm. You're smart to point out Bhutan um, because that it feels like a very Western movie, even though the one white guy in that movie gives maybe the worst performance <laughs> I saw in a movie all year. Um, to the point that it's like it actively makes the movie bad. Um, all respect to that actor. Um Okay, so I said Zone of Interest, Perfect Days, Teacher's Lounge, Fallen Leaves. Mm-hmm. That's four movies. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna still call it for the taste of things, though I think Society of Snow will be nominated elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh and if Taste of Things shows up, I think that there is potential up until the last minute that that movie could be a spoiler just because it so sure. appeals to the academy taste. We'll be exciting, we'll be exciting to see how it shakes out. So, um back to uh eight women. Um what if there were eight women? 12 Cesar nominations, zero wins. It was uh very much the color purple of the Cesars. It had it was the biggest offer for... Spielberg color purple. Oh yeah, sorry. Now I have to make that distinction. Yes. <laughs> um, it would be very interesting. I don't think it's going to happen. It would be very interesting if the color purple got only a couple nominations, but won one of them, and then it would be the most successful color purple in terms of Oscars. Like I feel like that would be, um, kind of amazing. I don't. I think at this point there is zero chance of. It any wins for that i'm trying to find a, an, an arena for that to happen and i don't think i i think you're right i uh i agree with you um i'm looking up the the uh films that received 10 or more cesar uh nominations so uh at 12 it does not hold the record for nominations that is uh actually last year's lost illusions got 15 nominations um beating the record yowie, yowie. set by Five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movies tied with 13 nominations throughout the years, including 
Amelie. Any listeners might be familiar with? Okay. Amelie and Cyrano de Bergerac, A Prophet, uh, BPM, all got 13 nominations and all won anywhere from two to 10. Cyrano de Bergerac in 1990 won 10 Césars. Okay, Queen, go off. <laughs> um, but Eight Women was nominated How for- many did BPM win? BPM won six. Yeah, that's actually, that's great. That's, that's great. M- way more than I would have thought that uh, 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 gay people would be receiving. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, what did I say? Uh, only then to be bested in 2013 by a film called Camille Rewinds that is about a quirky clockmaker who goes to have her watch fixed, and when she gets her watch fixed, it becomes 13 going on 30, where she gets transported back to her uh, to when she was 16, and it's 1985. And I've not seen this movie, but now I kind of want to, because I kind of want to see... I was out on this until you said 13 going on 30. It essentially becomes the plot of 13 going on 30. And, uh, and it got 13... 13 nominations from the Cesars and won absolutely none of them. So, um, Matthew Amalric is in it as uh, a supporting character, which is pretty far down the list, but still, that's the only name of an actor who I recognize in this cast. Uh, the poster is this girl riding on a bicycle, uh, wearing headphones and uh, pink colored tights, so you know that it's the 80s. And um, I'm 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 listen, Gary's who have seen Camille Rewinds, please get back to us and let us know because I know some of you F slurs out there have seen it, and so <laughs> um, I want to know. I and by F slur, he means French people. French people. <laughs> All right. Um, what else do we want to talk about about eight women? Um, I'm, I, I mean, like, not to be basic, I'm interested in hearing you talk a little bit more about the movie because I was just excited for you to watch. <laughs> it's just a ton of fun. Like I say, like it's, I am not as academically versed in any of the kind of stuff that this movie is as you are. So, like, I don't feel like I am equipped to talk about the Cirque stuff or the even the Hitchcock references or whatever. It's just like, I'm getting vibes. I'm that like dummy who's just like, oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. I'm getting vibes for, you know, for other stuff. But just like, I think the colors in this movie are incredibly vibrant and beautiful. I love that it takes place in a foyer. I love that, you know, Isabella Pair is on 20. You know what I mean? She's just... <laughs> It's I, I you thought that she was at one and a half speed. I'm gonna have to make room for her in my twenty two thousand two ballot. And I don't Fuck know yeah. like I, I you know, and again, like the recency bias of having just seen it, sometimes I sort of need yeah, to yeah, sit yeah. with something. But I do wanna bring Also, as I pointed out, our three hundred ep- episode is right before we go to Toronto this year. So we are going to be extra despondent tent and exhausted we are we'll make it happen 300 um Um, should we do 300 for a 300 (laughs) no 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 no. slap you right now um i also think 
it's so funny that this movie originated with Ozone wanting to remake the women, not being yes. able to get the rights, and then finding French mo- source material that it's like, oh, this is kind of like that. Let's just adapt this. <laughs> yep. Yep. I would also love to see Uper in a version of the women, uh, obviously. I mean, yes, that's the other one where it's it's so funny that we got an American remake of or an American remake. I know the women was American to begin with a modern remake of the women, which we also should do on this podcast. Uh, Absolutely. Um, but it just sort of it came and went so quickly and without like it got a little bit of a fanfare, but like really not very much. And it's just like, oh, well, then we, 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 we can't, I guess we could try it again, but just like, uh, we tried it and it didn't work. And even with Annette Benning and Meg Ryan, it didn't work. And that's too bad. Too bad, I say. All right. 2000 Eight women should have been a contender for other nominations, such as costume, set design, song, motherfuckers. Which is the song? Is it, are you going to put the, the, the Papa, you're old fashioned or you're out of touch? Yeah, yeah. It's so fun. It is very fun. What a bop. I mean, anything where you have like backup singers, you know what I mean? Like, where are my backup singers? <laughs> um, all right. Supporting actions 2002. My ballot is M. Well, I already don't think this is right because okay, I had Catherine Zeta Jones in supporting, but I do think Catherine Zeta Jones is a co-lead, so bumping her up. Um Marilyn Adaptation, Michelle Pfeiffer and White Oleander, Samantha Morton in Minority Report, Viola Davis and Solaris, and Tony Collette for the hours, but also about a boy, because I'm being that uh, annoying about it. <laughs> I think I put Isabel above Tony Collette, much as I love her. I think I slot Isabel in right up there. So it's Huppert joining Viola, Samantha Morton, Michelle Pfeiffer, Meryl Streep. I think that's my lineup. Oof, Other contenders. So... Patricia Clarkson for Far From Heaven. Susan, yes, Susan Sarandon for Moonlight Mile. Kathy Bates for About Schmidt. I would also say Queen Annie Latifah. Gerardo for The Piano Teacher. Oh, I gotta see The Piano Queen Latifah for Chicago. Girl, steal yourself. Yeah. Um, 2002, such a great year. We should find a way to do, like, a 2002 spectacular for the Patreon. Something. We do love 2002. It's a huge year for me. It's a huge year for me. It really is. Like, <laughs> An excursion just on the year 2002. Why not? Maybe maybe we should start doing excursions that are like our ballot for that year. Maybe we should, Chris. Did maybe I just give us an idea? Did. I think we did. Well, we know Listeners, what we're doing. You just, li- you just caught a uh, brainstorming session live on mic. But um, we know what we're doing yeah, we're for our do February this. excursion. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear our plans for February excursion. We can just say, we can say. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because we want people, we want to advertise, we want to sign up. We want you to be enticed to sign up to the Patreon. We're going to be doing uh, this had Oscar Buzz superlatives as our excursion. We are doing our nominees in the awards categories that aren't at the Oscars, but are at other uh, uh, award shows. So we're talking about Best Ensemble via the SAGs. We're talking about Best Grown-Up Love Story via AARP. We're talking about Best Kiss via uh, MTV Movie Awards. 
We're talking about uh, what is the NBR? Special Achievement in Filmmaking. There you go. Special Achievement in Filmmaking from the National Board of Review. We are scouring the precursors for all of the hyper-specific, very particular, uh, best first film from the Independent Spirit Awards. Um, uh, All of that stuff that you only get at these certain precursors. We are paying tribute to those precursors for being uh, their own little unique creations, and also finding a way to do our best of list in a little bit different way than maybe we will obviously you have to time it for the blankies but maybe we'll also put our ballot out there yes. uh, on the patreon we'll figure it out on yes. oscar night or something yes yes definitely i still i was going to you published your top 10 list on the patreon uh so it's such a good list top 25 you'll, it, you'll right? be so unshocked by my number one were you 25 or were you 20 I did 20. I usually like to do like a top 10 and then here's 10 more because especially I felt like especially this year, nine and 10 were very difficult to pick from. I was planning on putting mine up on New Year's Eve. And then I was like, nobody need to see this one more thing. And then I was like, nobody need to see this one more thing. And then before I knew it, New Year's Eve was over. And I was like, well, then I'll just wait until I see 10 more things. You know what I mean? So, right. Um, uh, I I catch up to the year later because I have to catch up to the year for the vulture list that I do and for the blankies and those don't happen till later. So I give myself a little bit more time. Right, 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 right. right. Um, But anyway, Chris, final thoughts on eight women before we move into the IMDb game. Make it available to people. Yes. Listeners, if you need to blind buy a DVD, (laughs) which you still can. Yes. Uh, I would not dissuade you from doing that. Yay, physical media, but also this movie is so much fun. Yes. And it's one of my favorite pair performances. Here, here. So, there. I'm glad I finally saw it. Chris, uh, your, your, your mission, at least in this regard, has been accomplished. So, well done. I'm glad that, uh, thank you, Dana. If no other reason than giving me the space to go off about a pair. Yes, thank you, Dana. We really appreciate it. All right, Chris. What is the IMDb game and why are we playing it? Listen, listeners, every episode we end with the IMDb game where we challenge each other with an actor or actress to try to guess the top four titles that IMDb says they are most known for. If any of those titles are television, voice-only performances, or non-acting credits, we'll mention that up front. After two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles release years as a clue. That's not enough. It just becomes a free-for-all of hints. Heck yeah. All right, Chris, would you like to... Give me the name of an actor or actress first, or should I give mine to you? For the sake of having just pulled up the tab for it, I'm going to give first. Um, So I dug into the uh, large cast of the Women remake. Ooh. Much maligned remake that we very much would like to talk about at some point. Yes. Uh, and for you, I chose Miss Eva Mendez. Hey, okay, Eva Mendez. Um, I've gone easy on you lately, so I I went with one that I thought a might toughie. be a little more difficult. Okay, I'm gonna say Hitch. Hitch, correct. I'm gonna say Too Fast, Too Furious. Incorrect. Place Beyond the Pines. Correct. Place Beyond the Pines. Okay. That's two. The Women? The Women is incorrect, so you're getting your years. Okay. 2003, 
and 2010. 2003 is sort of heyday of Eva Mendes. I feel like there's a very popular movie that she did that I'm not remembering or not remembering that she's in it. Is that sort of the road I should be going on for 2003? One of these, I'm looking up how much it made, but it definitely... I'm pretty sure this was like a, a $100 million grossing. Movie. Is she in John Q? Uh, she might be in John Q, but that is incorrect. That yes, is this incorrect. movie made almost $120 million in America. The oh, other did? one definitely did not, but did well, did well. The O three made almost one hundred and twenty million dollars in America. No, the two thousand ten made one hundred and twenty million dollars. Summer comedy. Oh, is she in um, Couples Retreat? No. Um, or or what's the um, Adam Sandler one? Grown Ups. That is incorrect. You are. Mm, you're on the right path in terms of stars. There are two men above the title on this poster. This is probably one you've forgotten about, but I think you can get there if you can get there to the stars. The 2003 movie did $56 million in the States, twice its budget. $56 million for this movie is absolutely a massive success. Is the 2010 like a Paul Rudd? No. Is it a Kevin James? No. Is it bigger, a Sandler? Bigger star. Sandler. But- no, but adjacent on that tier. Um, Bateman. No. 2010, probably the biggest name in comedy. 2010, probably comedy the movies. Name in comedy. Hangover. Is she in a hangover? No. This is, is a- someone who we don't see in movies a lot because they're producing a lot now. And things you wouldn't expect their name would be attached to as a producer. Okay. But, like, primarily known for comedy. Yes. Chris Rock. No. Had a lot of very successful movies purely because he was in them like a lot and a lot of them have been kind of forgotten i would say this is a movie that's pretty forgotten but not sandler but on the same wavelength as sandler definitely Uh, had i mean how about this came from the same got famous in the same place as snl snl guy mike myers no bigger 2010, Mike Myers is doing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, Bigger. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, correct. Will Ferrell opposite a one time Oscar nominee who we don't like, but have defended their performances. (laughs) Some of their performances, I should say. Um, Okay. A one time Oscar nominee. Oh, wait. So what's Will Ferrell doing in 2010? Is it like. Semi pro, is it? Um, um, opposite a one time Oscar nominee who we don't like. We like a performance in a movie that you mentioned almost at the top of this episode. Oh, probably we would both say it's our favorite performance of his. <laughs> top of this episode was so long ago. Um, Okay, Will Ferrell, 
one-time Oscar nominee, one-time Oscar nominee and lead or supporting actor? Supporting actor. Supporting actor. Um, we don't like this person, but this person. Eight Women is not the first Isabelle Huppert movie we've done. Oh, Huckabees. Who do we think is great in Huckabees that we Mark don't Wahlberg. Like? Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell, Together at Last. This is, is a it... title that is not friendly to not only our memories, but to search engine optimization. Is it the one where they're both um, dads? They are possibly dads, but this movie knows them more so for their profession. Oh. But not Blades of Glory. Um, What type of profession would you probably see? Oh, it's The Other Guys. The Other Guys. Which I've heard is a good movie, and I've never seen it. Um, Sorry, that took me way longer than I should have to both (laughs) guess Will Ferrell and also to guess The Other Guys. Um, The O3 movie is an extenuation of... I mean, you could call it a sequel. It's more... I would say it's probably like an expanded universe movie. Though, yeah, sure, it's a sequel. There's three people on the poster. Is it like an action thing? Yes. Okay. The first two build names are people who are from this cinematic universe. The third build name, also someone on the poster... Not, but someone who was having a moment and probably why this movie was such a financial success. In 03. Yes. Johnny Depp. Yes. Oh, okay. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Cinematic Universe. Oh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Correct. Not a bad movie. I actually really enjoyed that movie. Um, Forgot that she's in that, but yes. Justice um, for Eva Mendes is known for, though, because two of those movies are not movies you would talk about when talking about Eva Mendes. The shot on the poster of Johnny Depp wielding the gun with the the black blood sort of coming down from his eyes uh, in a way that looks like a Lone Ranger mask um, is a good shot. Is a good that's that's that was very much capitalizing on the Johnny Depp moment in pop culture. Yeah, Eva Mendes, who has semi-retired, yep. her one acting credit. In the past decade, aside from Gosling's Lost River, is an episode of Bluey where she voices Aww. yoga instructor. Honestly, I think the most enviable credit. I mean, like, if you're going to go on Bluey, I'm, be a yoga instructor. I'm impatient for my nephew to get into Bluey because I want to be, like, cool like all the adults who watch Bluey that I know <laughs> in pop culture. There's a lot of them. And they say they like they like it for their kids, but, like... I also think they just like wannabe. Yeah, like, they just like cool. Bluey. They like they like the bluey of it all. No, my nephew likes all the like very uncool uh, um, uh, uh, kids TV shows among our cadre, right? So he likes Paw Patrol and he likes um, uh, Daniel Tiger, and you know what I mean, like that kind of stuff. I Why think isn't it's all Daniel very Tiger cool. I don't know. He's just not Fred Rogers' product. I know. I think it's fine, but because uh, kindness is not cool. Yeah, jerks. Um, all right. Do you have for me? So I went with the French actress uh, route, um, and somebody who has been in the same sort of uh, realm of actresses like Catherine Deneuve and uh, Isabelle Huppert. I chose for you, Isabelle Ajani. Ah, Ajani. This is going to be harder. 
um, story of Adele H. Correct. Oscar nominee. Oscar nominations. Possession. Correct. A movie I just saw recently within the last year. What a ride. Ooh, girl. Girl, indeed. What a time. Wow. Um, What's her? It, was it uh, Claudine something is her other Oscar nomination, right? You're close. Yes. You're thinking of Camille Claudel, and that is yes. Camille correct. Claudel. Camille that, Claudel. Yeah, that counts. You are three for three. If I get a, per- I'm not going to get a perfect score on a Johnny, but, um, what a time if I did. She yeah. was a Bond girl, right? I would no. not be surprised. That's Sophie Marceau. Um, that well, I yes, think that is definitely know. Sophie Marceau. Uh, ooh, what is this last of Johnny? Uh, first of all. French cinema gays are going to be like, how dare you pull out Isabella Johnny over uh, when we're talking about Isabella Pair? How shady. Um, I don't think that's shady. I don't. For some people, it was shady. Wow. All right. Because, like, I think a Johnny thinks she's better than a pair, something like, I don't know. It's whatever. Isabella Um, Johnny was married, or not married, but partnered with Daniel Day Lewis, and they have a son together, and their son is unsurprisingly. One of the most beautiful human beings I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Because when your genes are Daniel Day Lewis and Isabella Johnny, you are uh, ahead of the game, I will say. I will also say a Johnny is not someone I'm super well versed in. And no, same. I've seen things that I don't love from her. Um, okay, what am I just going to throw out? For a I can't give you hints yet because you do not have anything wrong, and I'm not going to hint you into a perfect score. It's not Vasavoir. Well, that's Bon Voyage. So, no, that's. Hmm. I'm just going to say Bon Voyage. Not Bon Voyage. Unfortunately, one strike. Okay. Vasavoir. No, two strikes. Okay. It's so, not, uh, whatever. I want my year. Uh, your year is 1979. Okay, so, sure. This is pre-possession. Yes, this is a major filmmaker, major European filmmaker, um, who is quite a character. <laughs> um, In 79. Yes. She's playing it's a it's material that has been adapted often. It is about to be adapted again by an American filmmaker who I'm very excited to see what uh It's not Hedda Gabler, is it? No, it's much more um uh dark. It's much darker and oh. more um Isabella Johnny playing something dark. Hmm. Likely thing for her to do. <laughs> uh there are, there are clues real, that I can give that are really going to give it to you, but I want you to like, I want you to. A to... real character of a European filmmaker who was making yeah. movies in 1979. Yes. Because it's an adaptation, it's not going to be like Godard. Um, right. Not Godard. Somebody who continues to be a real fun character. Who, meaning like, they're not alive, so it's not Truffaut. No, they're, they're, they, uh, they, they are alive. Um, yeah, so it's not Truffaut. Um, directs still but also like shows up as an actor in things and um french 
Not French. Not French. So, uh, UK director? Nope. Mainland Europe. Italian. Nope. Damn. German. German. German director, 1979, still alive, performs sometimes. Not Vin Vendors. Nope. It's Werner Herzog? It's Werner Herzog. What was her Werner Herzog movie? Oh, God. Um, you must never guess. You must, <laughs> you must never guess the answer. <laughs> um, Werner Herzog. Oh, it's, uh, it's the Nosferatu movie. Nosferatu the Vampire. Very good. Yeah, yes. I could have gotten that. It's Eggers, right? Who's doing the new Nosferatu? Yes, I'm very, very curious. Me very too. curious. Me, me too. All right. Well done. Good job. Isabella Johnny, not easy. And you uh you did it. So very good for Here you. We go. All right. That is our episode, listeners. If you would like more this head Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at this headoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at head underscore Oscar underscore buzz, our Instagram at this head Oscar Buzz, and our Patreon at patreon.com slash this head Oscar Buzz, five dollars a month, and you can go have fun with us there. Chris, where can the listeners find more of you? Also realizing Ishtar could have been one of my guesses. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Chris V. File. That's F-E-I-L. I am on uh, Letterboxd and Blue Sky at Joe Reed. Reed spelled R-E-I-D. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork. Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Taylor Cole for our theme music. Please remember to rate, like, and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you get podcasts. A five-star review in particular really helps us out, so take that knife out of your back and sit down and write us a nice review. That is all for this week, but we hope you'll be back next week for more about it.